Hello, and welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. It is the beginning of February, the worst month of the year. The only merciful thing about February is that it's the shortest month of the year. True. But it is just terrible. We are covered in snow out here, and now that it's been a week... It's been one week since the snow came down. (laughs) And it's still on the fucking ground. (laughs) And now it's turning duty brown. It is the ugliest, nastiest shit ever. If you've never lived in a city before and you've never had the experience of walking through ship brown snow all winter long, you're not missing anything. Okay. Consider yourself lucky. Consider yourself so lucky. But for our liberty this week, I think we have to discuss the Army Hammer scandal. Yes, you brought this up a little bit. I am so interested to talk about this. It is a doozy. Mm -hmm. And I think we can all agree that people who eat people (laughs) are the hungriest people in the world. Yes, and... As for people who eat people, Army Hammer is apparently one of them. It turns out that this bitch who Army Hammer was DMing during his marriage to the delightful Elizabeth Chambers, they appear to have this great marriage. They're both Texans or some shit. Like, they had this cute down-home vibe going, and they seemed to be very, very happy. And for those of you who don't know Army Hammer... Probably most of you don't because nobody gave a shit about him. I was going to say, not to be confused with the baking soda or not baking to powder be confused. or whatever. Or arm and hammer. But arm hey. and hammer, my favorite toothpaste. Yes. Oh, oh true. It's keeps a good him one. nice and white. Yes. But Army Hammer, you may know him, if you do know him, from being the Winklevoss twins in the social network. He was the devastatingly handsome rower twins. He was both twins. It He's was a good a looking guy. Yeah. He is devastatingly handsome absolutely just stunningly gorgeous man he was also in call me by your name which was just a mind-bending devastating movie about like gay love and oh he was just unbelievably handsome and spectacular in that so he's not the type of a-lister guy that like you see in the tabloids often or ever frankly you never see this guy in the tabloids because he was such a quiet I don't know. He lived this quiet, respectable well, sure. life. Yeah, there's presumably. nothing to yeah, nothing, nothing to write scandalous. about. Yeah, nothing special, nothing exciting, and nobody really gave two shits about him until Ugh. last week or two. It comes out these DMs from this anonymous, Ugh. I guess, Instagrammer that Army was apparently texting her over DM, whatever DMing her. Yeah. Um, over the years from like 2016 through 2020, which by the way was during his marriage, long ass time, and saying things like, I want to cut your toe off so that I'll always have a piece of you with me. I'll always own part of you. Well, and okay, so I have to say too, obviously the true crime route here. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously I needed to discuss this with you because you understand all this shit. Does being... A cannibal or having a cannibalism fetish make you a sociopath like what is the connection here okay yeah so i i obviously i'm no expert on this i've just watched a lot of documentaries but what i've seen so i've i've i delved into the cannibal cop back in the day for because i'm a weirdo had to incorporate it for a school project and present on it and how it related to the law and everything like that but I think of a lot of these individuals and I think they probably are but then I go to what I've like 
learned and watched and read about Jeffrey Dahmer. And, yes. But so this is where it kind of goes to like he probably had something fucked up happen to him in his childhood that like made him how he is. I hope and, to Christ because I do not want oh, people walking around oh who my God. didn't have something fucked up happen to them. <laughs> Swear to God. Just getting born this way. Well, or just discovering it later in life. Like, hey, oh. I really, you know what? That doesn't I could sound really too bad. stand to have yeah, that your toe person's looks pretty foot. meaty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the summer's a hard month for me. I see so many snacks walking around. Like, I know. Oh, and their toes out and about. Like, oh, exactly put a couple pieces of bread around that thing and you have yourself a foot sandwich oh a hot dog but oh good god but jeffrey dahmer the one thing that's like stuck out to me was that i learned at his trial so you've seen him probably most of his interviews he has these big like 80s 90s glasses whatever really freaky looking yeah like he's he's your classic creepy like you're gonna avoid him if he pulls up to you in a van on the side of the road But he apparently took off his glasses during most of his trial because he had such a hard time. Like he wanted to not be able to see these people coming up and testifying against him because he felt so shameful and so bad about what he had done. But he had this just like impulse, uncontrollable impulse to need to eat these people. Wow. Wait, so were the people, did any of them survive being eaten or partially eaten by this guy or it was their family members and friends I think it was more so because he would pick up a lot of men on um at like bars or clubs or like around where he lived I don't think any of them if I remember correctly did survive there was a terrible situation where this one because it's what like the 80s so like you know any gay men are going to be looked down upon by the police but there was one guy that actually got out and was in the street Oh, no. And was screaming, and there was a Jeffrey Dahmer had already started messing with him, so he was like fucked up a little in the brain. But the police came, and Jeffrey Dahmer came out, and he was like, No, he's my boyfriend. Like, it's whatever. And the police were just like, Oh, gay man. We like, Okay, keep it. And he ended up killing that poor guy. That sucks. Yeah. yeah, Oh, and he was so close to probably getting saved. Exactly. Like, it's just awful. But poor, poor guy. I mean, even in his situation, though, there has to be sociopathy going on like yeah well I'm surprised to hear that he felt remorse like that I had that much trouble confronting those people the fact that like he wanted like he took off his glasses because he couldn't face what he had done and felt badly about it like yeah that was really surprising to me so well and with this army hammer case there not only doesn't seem to be remorse but there's also just a lack of capability of addressing the situation at all Mm. army hammer has apparently said I'm not responding to these bullshit claims, but in light of the vicious and spurious online attacks against me, I cannot in good conscience now leave my children for four months to shoot a film in the Dominican Republic. Now, he said this when he was backing out of doing a movie with J-Lo in Dominican Republic, which like... First of all, I think J-Lo probably was like, I don't want this fucking cannibal on my set. I was going to say, oh, are you kidding me? I can't in good conscience. Like, I got to turn down this couple million. I'm sorry. I just can't. I can't. Yeah. I just can't take the money. But. Like, sorry. Yeah, my also, poor like, kids. Like, well, I'm if sorry. the rumors truly are as spurious and vicious and bullshit as he claims, wouldn't you just say, hey, I've got the truth on my side? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, why would you like, oh, my God, they're telling all these lies. I can't be in the public. Let like, me uproot my life. Yeah. Let me just turn, quit my job. Turn down profitable, like, 
opportunities to show people that I'm normal like yeah oh yeah well and it goes much further than this one experience with this one Instagram account so really that account alleged non-consensual and violent sexual encounters and emotional abuse by Army Hammer Mm -hmm. Um, apparently there was all this talk of rape fantasies there was the desire on the part of Army to inflict pain on his partners and one that claimed he was quote a hundred percent a cannibal now this encounter led to two other women coming out who said that they also dated army army hammer after he split up with his um ex-wife elizabeth chambers these two women came forward with similar claims i'm not surprised one woman courtney vusikovich forgive me for that butcher job (laughs) butcher job i was gonna say (laughs) right claimed that army was emotionally abusive he wanted to eat her flesh which resulted in her having to go for treatment for ptsd after they split up right then this other woman this other girlfriend of his named Paige lorenz also made claims like this that he branded her speaking of yeah connection back to our nexium episode left her covered in bruises and wanted to remove and eat one of her ribs all right i want my baby back baby back baby back (laughs) all right it's the other white meat (laughs) baby back ribs oh that's awful yeah this is like some fat bastard shit like i just don't think that this jesus is as crazy though as it would appear to be because (sighs) of army's really pathetic denial yeah because (laughs) there was additional word from elizabeth chambers later on who got on instagram on monday didn't deny it didn't deny it Uh, and almost kind of confirmed it yeah she wrote something all yeah right so she puts up this picture of a beach okay and under it the caption is for weeks, I've been trying to process everything that has transpired. I am shocked, heartbroken, mm. and devastated. I mean, who wouldn't be, right? Yeah. Um, she said, heartbreak aside, I'm listening and will continue to listen and educate myself on these delicate matters. I didn't realize how much I didn't know. Mm. I support any victim of assault or abuse and urge anyone who has experienced this pain to seek the help she or he needs to heal. Wow. She said, my sole focus and attention will continue to be on my children, on my work, and on healing during this incredibly difficult time. Now, what's crazy is this, to me, sounds almost like confirmation of abuse of some sort. I was just going to say, like, she's not – it's the father of your children, whether or not you end on good terms, bad terms, whatever. I don't know. To me, yeah, like, she probably, like she's saying, didn't know – there's so much she didn't know but she probably knew or suspected like there's something off with this like whole situation with this guy like i don't know to me yeah uh, there had to have been signs yeah there had to be and i'm sure i mean they had a 10 year long marriage that's yeah like how could you not have any signs yeah, that this something guy... had to have come up or happened or yeah, you must more have than once said something or did something yeah. i don't know but a buddy of mine actually has a friend who's a sex therapist and she was dying no to bring this shit up to the sex therapist because of this whole case and she's so just, interesting she was like we were racking our brains the other day talking about this case and this situation and she was like i gotta bring it up to the sex therapist oh, i gotta bring so it up so interesting so at first it seems like 
and this is the words of the sex therapist. She oh, says, wait, she did get to? She did oh, get I would back. love to hear this. She says, at first she was like, so what? But the text messages show a deeper message that he totally was taking advantage oh. of women and either manipulating them or borderline non-consensual behavior. Mm-hmm. An unfair power dynamic in many of the situations that came that to makes light. total sense. Right. And then, so my friend said back, yeah, he had rape fantasies and some of his interviews too. He talked about disrespecting women in sex and that that was a turn on, but he had to stop when he married his wife. Oh. And so the sex therapist said even if it's pretend he was very clearly a sociopathic individual with these weird desires these weird fetishes and she actually said it really puts a bad name to the kink community per usual Well, sure yeah which is a shame i mean but there's also like a sensual yeah yeah you know two consensual adults both involved both you know agreeing and both feeling safe and whatever right um but it sounds like i i don't know i mean and you know, my friend asked, why would somebody get off on eating humans? Ooh, is it ultimate control? This, yeah. Is it the act of de- desecration and, like, ultimate respect? And the sex therapist said exactly. Whoa. Most kinks and fetishes are fueled by a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. However, there are many different reasons, including past experiences or just yeah. no reason at all. Hmm. And... My friend said, do we really think cannibalism could be consensual? Now, this is what we oh, talked about. Oh, yeah. I mentioned and that we'll I had something this. I wanted to talk to you about yeah. Yeah, with this. Okay. Um, so she said, do we think that this could really be consensual? And I thought, like, yeah, how could that be consensual? Does anybody right. really want to get eaten for lunch and dinner? Right. Like, what the fuck? Um, and it's like, you know, our stomachs turn when we talk yeah. about this stuff. And the sex therapist responded, yeah, that's the concept. The idea or quote-unquote pretending may be weird but unharmful. However, it always has to be consensual, even if it's quote-unquote pretend. Mm. He was a very clearly sociopathic individual, and yeah, it just, I don't know. Like, it yeah. sounds like, you know, just that ultimate desecration, ultimate disrespect for him yeah. probably well, did it. And, and, the, ownership. and the, the power dynamic, like you're saying there, too, where... Like, one individual is obviously in control in the situation, and the other is probably just doing what they can because they want to please this other person because he's a actor, and he's, you know, big and mighty, and you want to be kind of in his good graces. And, and so handsome. I mean, right. if you guys have not seen him, truly, he has a oh, face that God, looks like it was though, carved by like, angels. I just, but, ugh. I mean, at what cost, right? Seriously. Um, but you said that you thought maybe there was somebody out there who did feel that this could be consensual. Yeah, and I almost wish now that I had looked this up, because I, you know, obviously we were just kind of talking beforehand about some interesting topics for our liberty here. Um, but I, I know I heard a case a couple years ago, probably, where two individuals either met on Craigslist or a chat room or something like that. And both of them, you know, kind of their kinks were one was a cannibal and wanted to eat somebody. And the other um, was a the, cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> not cannabis, cannibal, cannabis. Um <laughs> And their, like, ultimate sexual kind of death wish, really, was to be eaten by somebody. And so these two individuals met up, one who had the cannibal fetish, um, and then the other who wanted to be eaten. And I, I could be misremembering the exact details of this, but I think they met up and the both men and the one individual wanted to eat the penis of the other yikes yep cut it off and the 
cannabis, I guess, as you want to say, <laughs> ended up actually dying and bleeding out. Yet it was consented to because he showed up and there was obviously, you know, this um, history there online that you could look back to like, oh, I yes, this is what I want to do, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so the individual that ate the other guy was convicted of murder and his defense in the situation was well no it was consensual he wanted to be eaten like he showed up we talked about this beforehand he knew he was going to probably die like right he, this was the situation and so in no, a way, it's not murder i mean could we call this assisted suicide right, right. well it go <laughs> no it goes to the whole euthanasia like the whole yeah death with dignity like right. that whole thing even it's the same kind of and your ultimate you know. wishes i mean right wow right. like what a personal matter which to... is insane though like Yikes. i just it's our law clearly is not has not caught up to this you know level yet but it just like yeah what is the right answer no who even knows it's so bizarre but we had <sighs> to address that and this is obviously a story that's still unfolding and we will keep on it and inform you next week when yeah. we do our next liberty an but interesting one yeah but while we're talking about severed penises i was just gonna say <laughs> I, yeah this is a good segue here and big dick energy what about <laughs> severed dick energy yeah what about SD. knives and, and lives yeah. <laughs> and knives out <sighs> oh my god but lorena bobbitt guys <laughs> If you haven't heard the name before, you're missing out or you've been living under a rock because yeah. this woman had the ultimate big dick energy. It takes oh. a lot of big dick energy yeah. to cut off she somebody's dick. Big swinging dick. Like, big swinging yeah. dick. She was a goddamn hero for women. And yeah. most people, unfortunately, don't get to hear her side of the story. Right. They just hear, wow, this crazy bitch chopped her husband's dick off. Yeah. It was during, you know, this time period where it was just like, oh, this funny comical story. Like, ah, ah, ah. But <laughs> <laughs> And Howard Stern took it and ran yeah. with it. Everybody took it and ran with it, including the husband of Lorena Bobbitt, whose dick was cut off. The dude fucking made a whole porn yes. industry, you know, jump, thanks to her. Yeah. Um, All because of what she did and her situation and the running joke that his life became. But um, before we get into all that, should we start with a little background information on Lorena? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so a little bit of background on both of them, actually. So I'll start actually with John, which um, this is funny. I know I mentioned a little bit to you beforehand when I was just thinking of and looking at his name. So his name is John Wayne Bobbitt. <laughs> and clearly... John Wayne was clearly a popular name back at that time because of the old westerns and whatnot, but it obviously was not the choice to go with for sons because the only other John Wayne I can think of that still kind of carried over outside of the whole western was John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> so I think we should kind of nix that one. Discontinue that name. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was born in 1967 in Niagara Falls, New York. And he actually did, and this this is where it does get a little interesting because it's like you can see how people became who they became. Yes. Um, he So born in Niagara Falls, New York, his mother was a drug addict and his father had left. And it was he and his two brothers who ended up, they were kind of left to fend for themselves, but were ultimately adopted by an aunt and uncle who already had four boys. And he eventually went on and joined the Marines. And then to go back into Lorena's history, kind of before they met, she was Lorena Gallo, and she was born in 
69 Ooh. in Ecuador, and she was raised in Venezuela. She became obsessed with going to America, the American dream. And American nightmare is more uh, like Yeah, it. it's pretty much what it became for her, poor thing. But she came to the U.S. on a student visa, and she went to community college. And going back to the whole Marine situation, she met John at this uh, Marine Corps Officers Club dance, a singles dance. Oof. And the rest is history. The rest sure is. Yeah. Ugh, they got married on Paul McCartney's birthday. Oh! <laughs> 1989. And, yeah, I mean... It apparently was just a lifetime, a marriage of abuse yeah. after that, because John Wayne wasn't the best husband. Mm, not at all. He uh, apparently, for years, raped, abused, sodomized Lorena, really just tortured her, was an incredibly, incredibly abusive character to her. Yeah, so um, when they first got married, though, apparently there were a couple of years that, I guess... Well, maybe like a year, really. That wasn't too bad because he was still in the Marines and he was away a lot of the time. And then in 1991, he was discharged. And so at this point, he was spending a lot of time at home. He couldn't find a steady job. She was actually the main breadwinner and she was working as a manicurist and a nanny for a woman named Jana Busetti. Um, who owned the salon that she worked in. So remember that name, though, Jana Busetti. And um, this was kind of the point that things started to come to a head. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So Jana that she was working for was kind of the epitome of the 1980s, 1990s. Greed is good, you know, buying the cars, the houses, all this stuff, because she was the owner of the salon. And in John's claim... um, Lorena really started to compare to what Jana had and they ended up kind of living outside of their means to try to keep up with the Joneses and this led to another kind of instance or issue that led to the abuse and Lorena actually I think it was a documentary on Amazon I think it was that we were watching yeah that she was talking about one instance where She kind of, they were just married maybe a month and she could see that things were, these were warning signs. They were driving on the highway. John was driving and he was driving very erratically and he was just trying to goof around or something. I don't know. I don't know why you do that on the highway, why that's funny because it's not like, and so she grabbed the steering wheel to try to like snap him out of it and be like, this is not funny. Like, stop this. And he just turned and punched her. Oh, my God. So, you know, not too long after they were married, it just kind of all started, even in, you know, the small instances like this. Not that it's small, but it became much worse. Right. And frankly, I mean, it's just a crazy story because most people are so swept up in what she did in that final moment. Oh, yeah. And in how everything went down and really honestly more in john bobbitt's story right. and in his castration his oh yeah deformity. my manhood right like boo hoo yeah um but he really tortured her over the years including forcing her awful. to get an abortion right and just being a terrible husband to her to the point where she has said these days you know in talking about what she did and why she did it that 
it was not an act of like vengeance or hey you know here's what I think of you and what you're doing with your penis it was more like a fight for her life and an act of survival yeah definitely so what led up to this that I found interesting or didn't know as much background about this was that apparently they reached their breaking point and John said that he wanted a divorce and he said that he would take the apartment Lorena would move out and he would have a friend move in and kind of just before this incident they were kind of coexisting you know he wanted a divorce but they were figuring out all those and she obviously didn't because she was um, a Catholic girl or at least this is what he's saying that she was very much against it because of these reasons and so the day before the incident it's June 23rd 1993 he has his his friend from Boston come to visit who's staying with them mm-hmm. so um, also just to place them there in Manassas mm-hmm. I guess Virginia which is not far from D.C. So they go out for the night to the D.C. clubs. And this is the night that he comes home very intoxicated. Lorena's there. She had already gone to bed, just kind of spending a night in. And this is when the incident incidents happens. And by the way, that day before the incident, another critical thing almost happens but doesn't happen. Lorena was so afraid of John she actually decided to go to the police for help that day. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Whoa. And so she goes to this police Whoa. station in hopes of sort of taking out some sort of protective order against him. But it was going to take three hours to process. And with Ugh. everything going on that day, Lorena was afraid to wait. Sure. So she just, she left before it ever got finished. Sure. Yeah. She's away that long. She comes back. He says, where were you? Like, oh yeah, my God, exactly. that's awful. Exactly. Oh so, my God. Ugh, in a really tight spot. So... This friend comes over, I guess, on June 23rd, 1993, and yeah, they're they're there. They're all drunk, and yeah, yeah, they come back, and again, Lorena's in bed, and I think the friend was probably sleeping out on the couch or in another room, and John comes in, stumbling in all drunk, and kind of, you know, tries to start getting something going with her, and mm-hmm. I don't mean in, in a consensual way. Of course. Yeah, um... He claims later on that she wanted to have sex with him and was trying to seduce him. And that he didn't want to do anything. Right, right. Oh, I'm too tired. I can't, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, But in reality, he was drunk and kind of out of it and was just forcing himself on her. Yeah. And apparently at around 4 a.m. that night or morning, um... John, you know, allegedly assaulted her when she went to the kitchen to get some water. Right. And there happened to be a knife sitting next to the kitchen sink. Yep. So she picked it up. You know, why not? Everybody needs a knife. Yeah. Cutco. And she returned to the bedroom with said knife. Meanwhile, John was still in the bed this whole time. So just to set that, she went to the kitchen herself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's where the act happened. Yeah. Yep. She um, she cut his penis off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what he said was that he couldn't even scream. It was like an internal kind of silent scream. And I think her actions afterwards are interesting and telling because yeah. she kind of almost like just panics. Yeah. 
flees the apartment. She still has the penis in her with left the hand. Penis. Knife with in her right penis. hand. Like she just is double fisting with. Yeah. Double dick fisting. <laughs> yeah. Dick and a knife. And frankly, what I picture is that John is sort of sitting there like in jaw shock. dropped. Yeah. Because it sounds like since he was so drunk. Yeah. He didn't even fully that's appreciate very true what had too. happened. Yeah. He's still very drunk at that point as well. Yeah. And probably the adren- adrenaline's pumping. Right. And he doesn't really feel that his dick's been cut off. Oh my God. That's so Until there's this like, pool oh. of blood on the bed which right. obviously your dick is gonna bleed like crazy yeah because there's all those uh veins in there but anyway so yeah she's dick in hand she exits the house yeah. and you know hits the road yeah yeah so and it's not comical but it is and that's why the story became so big is she drives off penis in hand and she all of a sudden describes it as almost like she's coming to while she's in the car. Yeah. Realizes that she has her di- the dick in one hand and when she can't turn the steering wheel properly mm-hmm. because she doesn't have two t- hands on the wheel. So she's like, get this shit out of here. She throws, throws it out, out the, the window, window. <laughs> and into a field. Yeah. Yep. And don't worry. It must have been a pretty open field because later on the police came <laughs> yeah, spoiler and alert. found the dick in spoiler the field. Alert. Is that a garden snake? No, it's no, a penis. No. <laughs> Is that a snail coming out? A little right. yeah. Oh, it's a friendly little fella. Oh. But yeah, apparently during this time that Lorraine is going for her little drive, John wakes up his buddy right. and takes, you know, the buddy, I guess, takes him to the hospital. Right. Um, right. And, you know, flash forward, little eye to the, you know, eye forward to the future here. Um, after a nine and a half hour surgery, the penis was reattached, yes. people. Well, so before getting to the surgery part, though, I want to talk about how they found it and how they how they like <laughs> reattached it and all that stuff. So pretty much. So Lorena goes to the friend Jana's house. She had been telling her kind of about the abuse. And Jana, I think, is actually the one who called the police and they were told about where she thinks it might be, went searching for it, find it at 6 a.m., so a couple hours Which later. Which honestly isn't bad if you think about a big open no. field. No, well, I'm thinking about, too, like, if you lose a tooth, they tell you put it in, like, cold water or whatever. Right. Take it to the, like, get emergency dental, you know, whatever, and hopefully they can readjust, reattach it. Um, <laughs> crazy thing, one of the... the um, detectives or whoever was that was interviewed first said they thought she swallowed it which again going back to our like craziness uh, of cannibalism thank god they didn't but she told them where she thought it was they went out to the grassy knoll jfk reference here and and found it and right by it was a 7-eleven so they got a hot dog container filled it with ice and put the the lost little tip there on on ice <laughs> in the hot dog container. Perfect. How fitting. How fitting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So oh my god. It's just so like you said, it was a nine hour surgery. He uh, John Bobbitt had lost a third of his blood at that point, which is insane that yeah. he even survived. But yeah, it's crazy. He survived one, and like you said, that they were able to reattach it after all that time. But unbelievable. It was successful. It was, and later that night, Lorena got arrested for the crime. Crime, got charged with malicious wounding and if she was found guilty for that crime she would have been looking at 20 years in yeah. prison yeah which wow 
Yeah. So it was um, it was crazy, though, because the Washington Post actually picked up the story. And this was where the two different stories that were hotly debated in the 90s, where everything was just, you know, the craziness of court TV and all this stuff. And so she was charged with malicious wounding, like you said. But a bigger story kind of was that John was charged with marital rape, which was... A new language at the time, a yes. new, you know, kind of thing. A new term. Yeah, it was kind of thought in the 90s that, you know, if you're married, the sex is completely and totally... Yeah. Um, it's not rape. It's not rape. Yeah, it yeah. can't be rape if you're married. Yep. And that's just not true. We know no. today that, you know, consent is temporary. It is not something that yeah, you say at the altar, exactly. hey, I consent to all sexual activities from here on out. Exactly. I sign away my rights here and now. No, nope. no, you can still have marital rape. You can still have relationship rape. And that's a really important distinguishment to make. So Lorena and John obviously both went on trial for this. John was tried for marital sex assault and found not guilty. Right. Um, November 11th, 1993. And then Lorena's trial was January 10th to 22nd of 1994. Like you said, malicious wounding. She claimed that John had, you know, like you said, sexually assaulted, abused, and raped her. And she was found not guilty due to the temporary insanity that was caused by all this abuse. Yeah. Well, which is a big deal. It is a big deal. It really is. Like, as much as you can joke about this story because it is so sensational. Because, of, you know, the whole cutting off his dick and everything. But it really, like, this was one line I wrote down. So in her defense opening, Lorena's defense attorney, Lisa Kimler, said, a life is more valuable than a penis. Again, it's a hilarious line. And it's, it's you know, but looking at the abuse that she went through yes. and even just listening to John Bobbitt speak about this incident, like, there was one point where... He he was a terrible witness is kind of what everybody said. Yeah. And he was asked, have you ever um, did you ever strike your wife? And he said no. And then they kind of specified a little bit more ever pushed, restrained or grabbed your wife. And he said, yes, I have many uh-huh. times. What an idiot. And he, he says, yes, that would have been all of the above. Push, restrain, grab. Uh, most of them would have been only restrained, though. And like he's like, well, Great. she did the same to me. It just like. If you listen to the guy speak, it just is so clear to me personally. Personal opinion, you know, obviously not trying to get in legal trouble here, but just listening to him speak and listening to Lorena speak, I just, I don't think he gives a very good defense of himself. Oh, it sounds like he just isn't that smart, too, frankly. I mean, like, just doesn't (laughs) understand. Like, okay, you're here for assault charges, so maybe don't admit to constantly pushing, grabbing, restraining your wife. But mostly restrained. Right, mostly restrained. Mostly restrained. Oh, cool. Some pushes and grabs. You only held her back and, uh, you know, wrongfully imprisoned her. Okay, all set. That sounds perfect. Um, But, yeah, so she, Lorena got off because she pled um, temporary insanity and she actually had to go to a psych ward for 45 days. That is a long ass time it, it, to spend yeah. in a psych ward. Yep. And she gets released March 1st, 1994. And, you know, by then they were like, listen, Lorena, you're not a threat to society. You're not a threat to yourself. Um, you're out. Yeah. Go back into the world. And as soon as she's out of there, she files for a divorce from John. Thank God. Thank God. Like, I just, I don't know. And so the one thing that I think, 
I read or saw or whatever when, um, about her being in the institute that she had to go into for, you know, mental treatment. Um, she it was said that she attacked the instrument of abuse, his penis. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting way to kind of frame it because, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of true. Like, yeah, it really is. I mean, he used his penis right. to inflict pain, you know, unwanted sexual advances on his wife. Yep. And yeah, what do you attack besides that that's made your life a freaking misery? Well, and clearly, like, you know, what we've heard about it afterwards, it was such a big deal because she she struck him where it hurt. And exactly. Hey. <laughs> for some people, it's the wallet. For others, right. it's the penis. <laughs> right. But obviously, it didn't hurt him too much because six months after Lorena got out of jail, John stars in his own porno. Oh, yeah. Called John Wayne Bobbitt Uncut. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, and after the trial, he moves to Vegas, and he meets Ron Jeremy. It's which, probably the you know, best thing that happened to him. It probably like, I bet is. He she probably, did him yeah, a favor. Yeah. I venture to say yeah. that by cutting that man's dick off, she really he gave him a probably is loving this. Like, oh, my God. And he is such a narcissist. It's yeah. so clear yeah. yep. um, from everything he said, all of the testimony he's given. Oh, yeah. Just, Every time I've heard him speak in a public manner. I agree. Um, when he was talking to Vanity Fair um, of August that year, John actually says in defense of his starring in the adult film, a porno seemed like the best way to show my penis worked. Oh, my God. Only it wasn't all the way healed yet. I realize now that that was the point. Oh what? Oh, my God. So this guy is so eager to spread his seed, show, hey, I'm a big, strong man. Uh, yeah. I, my dick still uh, works. Yeah. Like, whatever. Uh, that he starred in a fucking porno. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. Yep. What? Well, he also went on a 40-city tour where he appeared on multiple talk shows, too. Unbelievable. So he was just, he was soaking this up. He loved it. Yeah. Yeah. In 96, he was in Frankenpenis, um, <laughs> oh which is absolutely crazy. <sighs> now, in between the first porn and the second porn, Frankenpenis, John actually was charged with misdemeanor domestic battery against his new girlfriend. Are we shocked? Are we shocked? Okay. Shocker on Shock Street. Yeah, pretty much. Shock Avenue. <laughs> yeah. Shocktober. Did they move to Shock Street or Elm Street? I right? Don't know. Tell me about it. He served 12 days of a 15 day sentence, and that was it for that. Right. Finally, in 95, John and Lorena divorce. Six years after they got married, two years after the incident, Jeez. at last, they're fucking split. Jeez. That just like, I don't know. It's just, it's absolutely insane. And, Again, it's just like, yeah, it's a it's a funny story. Like, who doesn't lo- like to talk about a penis being cut off? But I don't know. It's really, really messed up. Really um, messed up. And if you're wondering why Mr. John Wayne ugh. had to star in another adult film, it's not just his narcissism, but it's also because John actually accepted the offer from Howard Stern, which we oh, were watching yeah. a minute ago, <laughs> for reconstructive plastic surgery to make his penis even bigger. I'm glad you're talking about this because I heard about this on another podcast, I think, and I didn't find the info about this. Yes. I think this actually fucked up his penis in the end. Yeah, I think it was even more fucked up. Um, Just goes to show you, honestly, like, take what you Uh, can get and just leave it. Come on. God damn. Yeah, yeah. thank God you didn't have to, you know, have no end of your penis for the rest of your life. Like, seriously, get in and walk away. Oh, I know. Like, enough already, for God's sake. Oh, my God. Um, So John, being the wonderful guy that he is and was, 
actually had even more legal trouble in 1999. Wow. By the end of the 90s, John racked up a ton of different legal issues. Uh Uh-oh. A lot of them related to assault and battery. I'm sure you're shocked. John? Not John Bobbitt. Blow me away, honestly. Um, But in 99, he pleads guilty to a felony charge of attempted grand larceny. Oh, my God. (laughs) After stealing $140,000 of clothes in Nevada. How? No. Where? Like, how? How? (laughs) How does that happen? And also only in Nevada, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, seriously, where? I I don't even know what to say. I don't know either. The same year, okay, he was found guilty of harassing an ex-girlfriend named Desiree, of course. Later in 2002, (laughs) he was charged with battering his third wife. Oh, my God. But don't worry, he wasn't found guilty on that Okay, one. good. Oh, thank God. So that was good. Yeah, I mean, my God, all these women falsely accusing him. This oh, poor I guy. Know. Poor, poor guy. Ugh. Honestly, they're really ganging up on him. How does this just keep happening? Ugh. It's just, women are terrible. Mm. Um, but finally, the good news, there's a happy ending for Lorena. She ended up going back to community college, and it's there that she met a lovely guy by the name of Dave Bellinger. And though the two aren't married, they've actually been together for like 20 years, right? Yeah. And they have a daughter together, and they seem really happy. So that's wonderful. Yes. Yeah. She runs a foundation to help domestic abuse survivors. She really, I don't know, I feel like, you know, you can make whatever you want to about the case at the time, but what they did afterwards, I think, speaks volumes for both of them. Um Lorena kind of laid low and lived this normal life and spoke out for others in her similar situation. And uh, John Bobbitt actually had some interesting, I have some fun little facts about him, about what he's been up to. Oh, let's hear. Yeah. What his dick's been up to. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, looking for treasure, apparently. (laughs) Literally, though. So he has, uh, he said, that he was looking for this treasure chest that, and this is a real thing because I have some updates on it, oh my a God. treasure chest that a millionaire named Forrest Fenn um, has, he said at the time, that he had buried in the Rockies. And this was this lore that he put clues in these books that he wrote and people have died trying to find this treasure. What? It was actually found in 2020 this year june 2020 oh my god this, but not by john no nope, no nope. I, I had to i had to check because originally i heard about this again somewhere else and the individual that found it his name was not released but it since it has been since and his name is jack stoof s-t-e s-t-u-e-f he is a 32-year-old med student, oh. and i know yeah he found it buried somewhere in the uh, rocky mountains and it was apparently this bronze chest that was filled with gold, emeralds, diamonds, rubies, and sapphires worth over a million dollars. Whoa. But John Bobbitt, if you didn't love him already, before it was found, <laughs> here's his comment. He had said when he was still searching for it, he believed that if he had found it, he'd be invited to the White House to meet President Trump in person to, his, um, to express his, his thanks and support. Great. Yep. So, just another reason to love John Bobbitt. Well, I was just gonna say, if 2020 didn't serve some, you know, good things here, that all didn't happen, and John didn't find the treasure. 
Well, what's really like interesting and funny and just like something worth commenting on is John and Lorena, I don't think made a single TV appearance together except for one in 2009. Oh. And they were on the insider together. And Lorena actually said something to John like, you drove me crazy. You drove me insane. No woman should ever have to go through what I went through. And I just think that this is so important because so many women, the word crazy gets used against us. And so many like ex boyfriends are out there who would say like oh my ex was crazy exactly my ex was crazy oh, exactly. she was crazy and like bitch i don't believe your ass because no. it takes two to tango yep. you probably made her crazy oh my god yeah and also yeah exactly what were you doing what did you like, do to make her so nuts like i'm sorry frankly it's not us who should be looking at lorena and why she cut the dick off it's what did John do to make her to do get that? To the dick cut off. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Like, sure. I'm sure we've all done things we're not proud of. We've all acted crazy with exes or, you know, guys in our lives. But, you know, it's the people who make us crazy that we have to distance ourselves from. My God. Yeah. So the good news for Lorena is that she started a foundation in 2007 to try to help other women in abusive relationships because she obviously learned a ton from her abusive relationship. And it's called Lorena's Red Wagon Foundation. And it's a nonprofit that helps all domestic abuse survivors, which is really cool. And obviously, you know, it's not just women that suffer from domestic abuse. It's important for us to say that. Yep. Um, But if anybody is struggling with domestic abuse or you know abuse by a spouse a boyfriend a girlfriend a you know companion whatever um you should say something and we have a few resources that we want to discuss with you that are really helpful for people in those situations where you know you don't know who to reach out to you feel like you need someone to talk to and you know talk to about what you're going through yeah i think the first one that i you know, found that seemed to be really just thinking through every scenario, especially was the hotline.org. And this is actually um, an organization that has been out there for about 25 years now. And so they're really at the front line. It is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And they're obviously available 24 seven. And going to their website, this these are some of the things that really struck me. Um, when you first go to the website, you get a pop-up saying, kind of reminding you that if you're living with an abuser and you're fearful that this could be tracked in your history or anything like that, it's just kind of a reminder to, um, you know, clear your history and close your browser and stuff like that. And then the other thing that going on their website I thought was just so smart was there's this little X kind of on the right of your screen. And um, there's a little note that pops up the first time you go on that says if you click on this X, it will automatically close out this screen and you can't even like go back in your browser. You can't hit the back button. So if somebody walks in and you need to quickly close out, you click on that, it's out and they can't go, they can't hit the back button. Oh my God, that's so great. And I was just like, that is so smart. That just really, really impressed me. So I think they're definitely, you know, one of the longest standing resources and definitely one to reach out to. Um, and they're clearly thinking ahead. Like they've obviously crossed all their T's and dotted all their I's and, you know, they're trying to just think of everything so that they get people into a better situation rather than into a worse one. Yeah. So they definitely are kind of 
the leading resource I would say out there and if you can't get online to talk to them if you can get to a phone their number is 1-800-799-SAFE and so that would be 1-800-799-7233. They also have live chat on their website, a bunch of resources, searchability. You can just kind of search in there for different topics and whatnot. And I think definitely during COVID too and, you know, having to quarantine, stuff spikes, you know, with That's domestic so abuse where – the numbers spike where you're kind of stuck inside with somebody. So I think that's definitely something to keep in mind and knowing that resources like this are out there, the more people that spread it, you know, the better it is. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. 